Hello, my name's Liv and I'm one of the co-hosts of Purple Glow Pod. Before we begin, a short note. You may notice some technical difficulties, sound inconsistencies. We're still learning how to work from isolation. Just working from home, setting up our studios, working apart from each other. It's a lot to learn, but everything will be fixed in time for the next one. So enjoy the podcast and stay safe out there. Hello, everybody. Uh, welcome to Purple Glow Pod. I'm your co-host, Liv. And I'm your co-host, Key. Yeah, and this is our very, very first episode. Official first episode. Uh, we are coming to you from our home studios, um, which is my closet. <laughs> and Studio. where are you today? I'm in, I'm in my bed. I considered getting He's under the bed. blankets to uh, I don't know if it would do help with way. the noise. Yeah, I think I would just overheat more than anything. Yeah, it's like not worth the not benefits enough. aren't worth it. <laughs> I'd probably pass out <laughs> halfway through the podcast. Uh, so as you may know, uh, today is the COVID-19 in Toronto episode. Um, we are going to talk a little bit about what's going on in the city, um, re-COVID-19. Uh, we'll talk about um, some stories from artists, some people who've reached out to share with us about what's going on with them, how they're dealing with this. And then we'll discuss some ways uh, artists can find relief during this time period. But before all of that, how are you? How are you, Key? Um, I'm okay. I'm still working because uh, I do have a bunch of different types of jobs. So a lot of my work is still is still going right now. Um, so I'm lucky in that sense, I guess. Um, yeah and then I know we were talking about this yesterday but all of this kind of has given I feel like both of us a push to be more productive Mm -hmm. (laughs) concerning like purple glow mag so that's nice yeah that's kind of like the weird silver lining where like many days I feel like I hate life and I can't do anything but then on other days I feel like I have so much time to actually do the things I've been meaning to get around to do Mm -hmm. so <laughs> for sure it's weird though because my my like schedule or life hasn't changed that much except for teaching yeah I feel like that's the freelancers yeah I've like. been teaching virtually now but other than that like I work from home most of the time anyway so my life hasn't changed that much but for some reason it feels like it has and I'm like wow I have so much time to be productive and do the things that I haven't had time for even though I'm pretty much still living the same life except for the fact that I now don't leave the house to teach (laughs) um yeah I think one of the hardest things for me actually is like having to change the way I grocery shop because I'm somebody who grocery shops at very odd hours because I always keep you know like late hours or like I'll wake up early and go grocery shopping then um but grocery stores aren't open as long as they used to be and they're a lot busier so I actually like I feel like I hate going to the big Loblaws by me because I get so much anxiety when I see the long line I can't even like think about going in I have to like turn around and come home oh no I was gonna say it's interesting because like I know there's I've seen the lines at other grocery stores but actually where I live the grocery stores around me there have been no lines oh that's good like it's pretty deserted around me and I don't know if that's because it's not a very residential you, you still have, like like neighborhood a lot of people around there. I live by Dundas Square, by the way. But yeah, um, 
there mm-hmm. haven't really been lines, but we've also, my family has been going to like small grocery stores. Yeah, that's that's what I've started doing now because I can't face the big ones. So, I mean, maybe it's better to shop local anyway. It is, yeah, for sure. I feel like if there were ever a time to support your local small grocery stores, now is the time. Um, yeah. But obviously not everyone also has that luxury because things tend no. to cost more in yeah. local and grocery stores. So then you're kind of forced to stand in those long lines, which are also sure. like you have to stand like in a long group of like many people like you maybe feel uncomfortable too and if you're like elderly or like immunocompromised or have some kind of disability it makes I feel like that makes it like way harder to go shopping during this time as well yeah what a nightmare yeah and I know I know that they like shortened grocery store hours um for a reason and like they're trying to help but I also feel like it's kind of hitting them on the other side because now you just have the same amount of people going to the grocery store in a shorter period of time so yeah you have more people in and out (laughs) yeah there's no real good answer here like everything I guess yeah (laughs) everything is terrible um yeah I don't know if we want to talk a little bit more we're both work in the arts I guess or our arts workers or have jobs um related to the arts so Maybe we want to talk about how those two things for either of us have been affected at oh, the yeah. moment. Uh, my main source of income right now is I'm I'm an usher and a bartender at a big theater. And obviously, uh, no shows are happening right now. And all shows for the rest of the season, which goes up till the end of June, have been completely canceled. Um, which was, yes, like the good choice. But then that leaves me and like all the other workers out of jobs. Um, so that's like a huge that's not even like that's just like the front of house aspect of theaters but thinking about like the back of stage um workers there too and all the artists like just the theaters alone and like live shows going down is a lot of people's jobs going so that's really difficult for anybody who works in like the art sector yeah I would imagine not even like that it's not even financially hard I feel like even the amount of work that goes into creating and making a show and just having to abandon it is super hard you're emotionally invested in something so it's not even losing the work and losing that source of income but also just abandoning something you put so much time and so much of yourself into exactly well actually I had to cancel my big um, dance performance this March Mm -hmm. and that was super hard because all of us were holding on to it for so long because we had invested so much time and so much emotional energy into the show but once that kind of, that decision was almost made for us and we had to cancel and we couldn't even come up with like a plan B for it, it was much easier to let go and realize like, oh, like we have to, like it's our responsibility to make sure we don't meet again. It's a responsibility to make sure we don't try and put on like a different kind of show. Um, yeah. But like, but until we were able, we were like forced to let go, it was really hard to let go. And I think yeah. maybe a lot of people feel that and maybe that's why like, I mean, obviously, everybody should isolate. Please isolate. But I can see how some people would find it really difficult in, in certain situations because you have to, like, let go of something you've been wanting to do, whether it's, like, a show or even, like, maybe, like, a wedding or, like, a baby shower. Like, I don't know. I know. I know someone, actually, who was supposed to get married this summer. And, I mean, in June. So I, I very much doubt that is happening. Yeah, probably. And that's super disappointing. Um. Yeah, on my end, um, I teach dance 
um, and fitness, but I teach dance classes and that kind of has been impacted right now, but I've been super lucky as like you, most people have probably noticed on Instagram, all these live classes and virtual classes through zoom have been popping up. Um, so I've been lucky in that way to continue working. It has been less hours and it is a little more difficult. Um, and it's a very odd experience to teach, uh, not physically in the room with someone very odd teaching to your phone. Um, because especially like fitness classes are a little bit different, but especially teaching dance, I feel like it's such a personal thing mm-hmm. and to not get to see the people or hear their feedback. Um, or just like feed off of their energy has been super weird to adjust to, but um, yeah, it's it awesome. Yeah, it changes like the way oh, your for job sure. operates. For sure, but it's awesome that um, we've been able to adapt in that way. And I know a lot of friends and colleagues that I have who also teach dance and have picked up virtual classes and even started their own virtual classes or just hold live classes and um, even the live classes they're doing on Instagram, let's say they're running on a donation basis so they can still have some sort of income coming in. Uh, and then as everyone has probably read, we're lucky, you know, the uh, employment, um, insurance and this benefit, the rules have just changed. So if you make under a thousand, you're now eligible uh, which is awesome because a lot of people who are in my position who are now teaching virtually didn't qualify before because they're still teaching a few classes and so even though they lost a lot of work they weren't uh, able to qualify because they were still picking up some shifts Uh, so that's amazing now that they can do that but yeah I feel like it's the same thing I feel like a lot of people I know who teach also had performances or shows in the works or auditions that they were super excited for yeah and all that got canceled I was supposed to uh do new blue this summer which is a a dance festival for those who don't know what it is and um yeah that probably won't happen and so that's kind of disappointing yeah that would (laughs) have been so fun (laughs) it would have been fun I was looking forward to it but you know not the end of the next world. Year. Next year. <laughs> Maybe next year. Who knows? Maybe we'll still be living like this. Hopefully not. <laughs> I hope not. Yeah. But you never know. It's also kind of interesting because I feel like in this time where we're not able to have physical connection, we've actually found a way to connect with each other more than ever before. I feel like yeah. we kind of were just going through our days. And even though we were able to leave the house and still get together with friends or still go to our jobs and teach and be near each other. Now that that has been taken away, we're trying to create connections even more. Um, And so I think that's, that's kind of nice. Yeah. That's a great silver lining. And like in all of that, we've, we've really relied on, we as a society have relied on artists to help us like connect with each other and like come together. For sure. Art is important guys. Something I think we're not discussing is like once we get back to normal or close to normal or you know we come out of this level of isolation it's going to take a while for the big arts institutions to get back on their feet yeah i mean art in general already the foundation of art like and any type from small companies to like larger corporations it's already not reliable and already on shaky ground so oh, yeah. something like this is quite detrimental and i'm actually reading or looking at something right now 
that the Toronto Arts Foundation posted and they said in Toronto the median annual income for an artist is 30,000 which is so 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 far below Toronto's cost of living um so even just taking that into account that like even in a normal year artists don't make enough yeah (laughs) to support (laughs) themselves and now something like this comes along which of course is unavoidable but it's just it's it's hard to think about how this will impact people for years to come. Yeah. And I hope there's like, we can find some way of moving forward that helps support these institutions and these small businesses and like independent artists to like rise back to to something like where they were before. And I guess even higher given that they're so, so often the ones who are needy. For sure. Yeah. Guys share your friends art and like, Go to local music shows when this is over and theater shows and whatever. Yeah, like buy, I mean, if you can afford it, buy a print from a friend, give them a follow, give them a like. Even if you can't afford it, like Soul Pepper, for example, is a theater company that's free for uh, people under 25. So even if you can't Mm -hmm. afford it, go to a show and then share your experience with that show. Tell other people like word of mouth is also super valuable. And like, yeah. It's always free to to follow someone's Instagram, to visit their yeah. website, <laughs> repost their story. Yeah, it's important. All right, let's take a break then, and we'll come back to you um, with uh, some stories. I love when breaks have, like, advertisements. Oh, we can make a fake advertisement. Ready? And we're back. Woo. All right. Um, so now we're going to listen to some voice memos that some artists have kindly shared with us. Uh, so this first one here is from Sadie. She's a dancer um, studying here in Toronto. At Ryerson, I believe. Yes, she's at Ryerson. Yes. Uh, she also founded the dance group. Um, off course footing they're all about connecting with nature and using the spaces that are available to you as an artist uh, we did a, a short video with them earlier um yeah. when in august summer. yeah in the summer of 2019 i guess so if you want to check that mm-hmm. out and learn more about off course footing you can visit our page i don't know if we'll be able to link that exact article in this podcast but yeah um interesting group Hi, uh, this is Sadie Seagriff. Um, I just want to talk about how this pandemic has been for me. Um, I think something that I've heard a lot, um, like, recently, and I've been talking about a lot, is that, like, my school was cut off very abruptly, and, um... I think I was in shock and and then now like it's been about two weeks and I think that there was like a big part of me that was like I don't know like how how is this happening and like everything and how am I supposed to keep up and stuff and and now like there's a grief section of it that is setting in and that I don't really know how to like how to be in the world without a structure um and without doing dance class every day like 
um, being able to do it by myself, um, being able to, like, keep myself fit, and also keep, like, my mental health, um, good, you know, and, like, keep up with other things, and I think that there's, like, a lot of habits that I need to reevaluate and, like, rethink, um, that need to change for me to be able to be an artist and be home and be alone and be safe, um, and how much of that time I give to myself and how much of that time is just for me to relax. I think that's just something that I need to go through. Um, I don't know what my next stage of is after grief, but (laughs) I guess we'll see in the future. Trying to take it, also trying to take it day by day really helps. Just trying to do what I can in one day and um, not think about the future too much. All right, and yes, that was from Sadie. If you'd like to hear more from her, you can check out a short interview we did with her on our website. Uh, We can post that link in the description for this podcast, or you can go to purpleglowbag.com. Yeah, you know what? That, um, what Sadie had to talk about totally just reminded me, and we didn't discuss it earlier, but everyone in school for the arts right now and having, like, already for people who are in school for other subjects, moving classes online is is weird and different mm-hmm. and new, but you forget about people who are in very hands-on programs like the arts and how it's possible to make that or turn that into an online study. Um, and even, I don't know if I told you, but I had seen, for everyone listening, I went to Concordia in Montreal for a year for contemporary dance and even seeing everyone uh, in Montreal right now or who attend Concordia trying to not trying to but still keeping up their classes it's kind of become their classes have become a prompt on how do you continue to explore the creative process at home or with lack of space especially as a dancer like how can you continue to explore movement in a creative way when your environment has changed yeah yeah it's super hard for dancers too because mm-hmm. we're so used to having this grand large yeah, amazing space yeah. and then you're at home in your living room in front of your couch yeah yeah so it can be a great way to push yourself mm-hmm. because you now have these boundaries to work within but it also is challenging and difficult and for it to happen so abruptly um, yeah, that's, is definitely challenging that's one of the big problems is that we were kind of um, thrown into it. Uh, mm-hmm. No prep, no build up to it, no real plans about how we would go about something like this. So mm-hmm. I, I think a lot of students, um, well, and teachers too, are finding it super difficult. Mm-hmm. Actually, well, my partner's dad, um, like my pseudo in law, if you will, pseudo uh, in law, <laughs> <laughs> um, teaches teaches music at the post secondary level. And he was saying he's having a hard time because their final assignment was like, come together, make this piece or play this piece. I can't really remember. Um, But obviously over Zoom, you can't just like go like one, two, three, let's play together. (laughs) It doesn't really line up. So Mm -hmm. like finding new ways to like make assignments that have the same idea. So like your teachers can still, you know, like grade you and help you learn these new skills, but still make it work digitally and Mm. Mm-hmm. I also have so much sympathy for people who this was their last year 
of school in the arts because I I feel like a lot of arts programs your last year there's a big thesis there's a big performance there's a big show and that's very sentimental and you kind of end your post-secondary education with that before going on to pursue whatever it is you're pursuing and to have that taken away I imagine the your last bit of school kind of feels empty or incomplete without that yeah you really as humans like you kind of need that like final wrap-up moment Mm -hmm. just to like really process what you've been through and without that I guess people are and they're really struggling mentally Mm -hmm. it's pretty hard I think Mm -hmm. I even saw like Meg Moon an artist that we did an interview with um last summer summer 2019 um I believe her big event or something to do with her thesis was also canceled and Mm. in her last year at OCAD uh, without much notice. I don't think OCAD went through like the proper channels and like the prop, like they didn't notify the right people first. And so that made it even harder for students to really digest what was going on. Mm. That's like, it's not even, it's not funny, but it is kind of funny to think about because it's not even these institutions that things have happened abruptly. Even the Junos weren't canceled until I think the night before the Junos. Yeah, so, like, musicians had already flown out, and they just were very unprepared. Yeah, and I think it's the thing I kind of was talking about earlier, about, like, until you're forced to let go of something, it's really yeah. difficult to let go. And that can make you maybe, like, handle the situation in, like, bad ways, like, ways that don't really yeah. help the people involved. It's definitely hard. Something else I'd like to touch on um, that Sadie talked about, just, like, the whole trying to figure out how to keep up an artistic practice at home and dealing with you know trying to keep your mental health up this is more a little bit preachy but I just want people to know or remember that because I feel like a lot of it's been talked about like but there's so much pressure right now to be productive and I feel like especially Mm -hmm. as an artist it's like you have all this time use it like use your experience to be productive to be created to make art and you don't have to yeah, you we're don't all have to do that. Everyone's grieving in a way. Like it's yeah. it's it's like you've lost a figure in your life when you lose a show or you lose a practice or you lose something. So like we need to take the time to like heal, relax. And I mean, it's hard for artists sometimes because especially if you're um an entrepreneur, you're like always like trying to work on something, have a project on the go, but like it's okay to take the time just to unwind and like yeah. evaluate how you're doing as as a human maybe beyond at, like you as, as the practicing artist. Yeah, for sure. And don't feel guilty about it. Definitely like rest and stillness and taking a step away from something is just as valuable as creating. Like it could give you a different perspective or insight. Like again, as Sadie was saying, you go to school every day, you're training, you have technique, you have class, you're like working out because you're forced to. You have that structure. When you leave, it's hard finding your own structure it's hard finding the time finding the resources to continue going to class and continue going to classes outside of school continuing to go into workshops continuing to learn and keep practicing your art and technique so that's definitely something especially difficult if you're low on money because you don't have Mm -hmm. the money to keep on going to classes and taking workshops like I know Often I'm looking at, you know, a class schedule being like, oh, I would love to go take, you know, ballet this week, but I can't because I don't have like the extra 20 bucks in my budget. Um, but now we're all kind of feeling that financial stress of like, 
even if I wanted to contribute some money to these online classes or to these artists, like I don't really have the space in my budget. Mm -hmm. And that's why, you know what, right now is actually is a great time because there's so many things are free right now virtually to take class. So if you were unable to before, like, and you want to, this is a great time to take advantage of that. And I can't specifically for dancers off the top of my head, I can't remember it. So maybe we can add it in to, I don't know, like the caption I for this. Think, um, I know Kylie Thompson. Um, yeah. I think she's on Instagram as Kylie Thompson dance. Uh, we can put her in the caption, but she's been doing like a number of free classes. Um, I think mm. last week she did a floor work class, which if you're a dancer, you know, takes up a lot of space. space. Um, but she did it, I think she said like 10 by 10 or something, like the space that you could probably find in your house or maybe somewhere. Um, and so if you take advantage of, you know, little opportunities like that, find a way. Oh, to- Movement for Hope. That's what it is. <laughs> for- An account was started called Movement for Hope. And they're doing live classes and it's an account that was started during everything going on right now. And basically they're every, I don't know every day, but they have a schedule and each live is with a different instructor or artist or dancer from around the world. So all different types of styles and this page was started where, you know, just people are coming and sharing classes. Uh, So yeah. Uh, let's listen to the next thing before we run out of time here. Hi, I'm Marley Cajun. I'm a Toronto-based theatre artist and graduate student um, at the University of Toronto's Centre for Drama, Theatre and Performance Studies. I'm in the master's program there. I also co-operate a young theatre company called The Creation Coffin, um, and we've always focused on experimental musicals and work that is feminist, female-driven, and that creates roles for women. So my current project that I've been working on um, before and during the COVID-19 situation is called The Festival, um, and it's a really timely project to be working on. It's kind of eerie, actually, um, because of the content. So it's set in a not-so-distant apocalyptic future, and it follows a group of individuals who attend like the music festival of the millennia. The catch is that it is a digital music festival, and it exists online only in virtual reality. Um, so these characters that enter, rather than facing climate crisis and other things like pandemics that are threatening humanity, um, they choose to sort of park their bodies on Earth and enter into this festival indefinitely and naturally once they arrive things don't necessarily go to plan um it's a a pop musical um pop alternative hip-hop elements um spoken word poetry elements um and it's it's interesting thematically to be working on because it of course um deals with the ideas of denial and escapism in the face of climate change and disaster um but i think what's coming up for us now that we're all social isolating um is this idea of like how do we how do we continue to live our lives and how do we define living um if we're socially distanced from one another so yeah i feel i feel greatly um impacted uh in terms of ideas right now um, by what i'm experiencing as a person in social isolation Um, In terms of, like, technically how I'm being impacted, um, 
I was supposed to be um, staging this production in May as my thesis project for my MA. Um, and I would be starting rehearsals very shortly. Um, prior to um, the pandemic, uh, I had started having readings with actors, et cetera. Um, unfortunately, a performance in May, which is when it was supposed to happen, is no longer possible. Um, but the silver lining is that I'm having to look at other ways of delivering this story. So um, one of those is potentially actually doing the show in VR, which would be very cool because the show is set in VR. I don't know much about VR, so um, it's something I'm learning right now. Um, and then also looking at possibilities of um, of filming it, um, filming it in like a computer program or um, options like li uh, live readings on Zoom, uh, Facebook Live, etc. So there's two sides of the coin. It's it's very disappointing that I'm not able to do the live production that I wanted to do at this time, um, but because the piece is so relevant to what we're experiencing right now, it's really informing the work. Um, and I'm trying to stay positive and, and keep that in mind and see that as um, the good that I can take from this. Yeah. Also, I have more time to work on it <laughs> because I don't have to leave my house. Yeah. <laughs> um, so just to recap, she's, she's doing this, she made the show about these people entering like a VR music festival at kind of at the end of the world, um, which now she has to maybe take online. So it's very, it very, it mirrors kind of our reality right now. And that's yeah. a little spooky. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like life is imitating her art. And now yeah. her art is going to limit, imitate, imitate life. Yeah. That's fascinating. Um, yeah. And I imagine there are a lot of projects like this that in having to go online or go into like a virtual setting, they kind of take on this like new, new rigor and, and, um, but I mean, it's also sad because all these people, um, so people, people like Marley who are, you know, just trying to finish up their MAs and, you know, show their big, their big kind of like thesis are having to you know, adjust their initial initial plans, which can be really, you know, devastating after so after working on something for so long. I do yeah. feel for her with the extra work that's going to, you know, go into planning this now. For sure. I'm also, it sounds very interesting, and I'd love to see how it comes to be. Um, mm -hmm. I, it's definitely something I want to see. But I also, I think it's very interesting, and I'd love to see how everything that's going on right now informs this next wave and next generation of art and culture. Mm -hmm. Something I've been this asking is... artists lately is how do you think the industry is going to change in the future after this? Like, do you think this mm -hmm. will, you know, reshape the way we perform or reshape the kind of performances we have or shows we have in the future? Mm -hmm. And even just the theme and content of works. Like if you look at the history of art across all mediums it greatly changes and goes through like evolution after big moments in history and after yeah like global well, it's, crises and struggles it's kind of like a reciprocal thing like art yeah kind of refracts big ideas from from the age from certain ages 
but in, in a sense it also informs invents and informs like culture so it's kind of like a give and take um so yeah it's fascinating to see where like art is gonna head after after this period of you know grief fear and isolation mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I definitely do think it's it's so important and relevant and though everything going on right now is very very unfortunate I think it happened at a very crucial time in the world right now when or where we're dealing with a lot as as a global society with the environment and just with a whole lot going on and I definitely think though this was unfortunate it's been a or hopefully has been a big wake-up call for people and I hope Mm -hmm. that coming out of this those who express themselves through art can help further that and reflect that and we do make changes as as a group as a large large group I think Marley puts it best she says she says something like uh, how do we define living when we're all in isolation Mm -hmm. and I feel like that's going to be the big question that you know we're all tackling but artists especially are going to tackle in the you know months years to come Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, for sure I also actually saw something yesterday um something that basically said along the lines of someone was asked do you ever think things will go back to normal after this and their their immediate thought was no things can never go back to normal and then they kind of took a step back and were like wait a second things will go back to normal because normal is relevant normal is what we make it so things there will be a new normal and I hope that that new normal is for the better um Mm -hmm. And yeah, so though things may not be exactly the same, we're creating a new normal, hopefully. Um, and hopefully that new normal is, you know, bettering us. Yeah, it's like, it's like any period of, of you know, fear and general anxiety, kind of like, like any big world war. It's going to have an impact on our mm-hmm. lives and on the way we create and on the way we live. But yeah, hopefully, you know, hopefully it's for the better. Hopefully we come out of this, you know, smarter, kinder, and maybe refreshed to live our lives better. Mm-hmm. Hopefully. Hopefully. <laughs> Welcome back. <laughs> Welcome back from our very long break. Although in podcast time, it's only a few seconds. Uh, we are here with the lovely Sydney Cooney. Hello. <laughs> um, can you tell us a little bit just like about yourself and, and yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, what, what you, you do? do in the arts? Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Um, so I am 21 years old, turning 22 this year in August. Uh, I am, geez, I don't know how <laughs> I describe it though. I am an artist. I do oil painting primarily, but I, I like to experiment with different mediums. You know, I do sewing, I do, uh, you know, clothing design and jewelry design. And I'm really big into feminism and environmental activism. So I just got back from a trip, an art residency, kind of pursuing that. And thankfully was able to get home because in this craziness, it <laughs> almost didn't happen. So I'm really grateful to be back. That's nice. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to tell us a little bit about um, your journey coming home and what it was like to be abroad, finding out about everything happening? 
Yeah, for sure. I, uh, so I think that, I mean, this has been going on since, you know, last year, October, I believe is when it sort of started, but I personally do not watch the news period. Like I don't, uh, like my family used to watch it a lot when we were younger and I honestly just got so stressed out by it. So I never watched the news. So I didn't know really that any of this was going on. I had heard of, of coronavirus before I left, but it wasn't really a big threat and it wasn't really freaking anybody out. So I kind of was thinking, I'm like, oh, this is the perfect time for me to be going away, like for this art residency in the beginning of March. So I left end of February and I left for March. I was like, this is amazing. Like I'll get out of the Canadian cold winter and you know, I'll be in Africa and enjoying the sun. So it was, the residency was in uh, West Africa in Gambia. Um, and I was working with uh, the Fandema International School and the Women's Development Center. And I was working with women and children and teaching them art workshops and we did murals together. And it was, it was really fun. It was a really good time. Uh, of course it came with ups and downs, which is a whole story, but that I won't go into because that's a different <laughs> conversation. But uh, yeah, I, I think we were around maybe two weeks, three weeks into the residency when we started, you know, hearing about everything that was going on around the world. And, you know, it still was pretty far away from, from Gambia. So we were like, okay, like this is probably okay. And uh, then everybody was saying like, oh, Sydney, it's good that you're in Gambia because it's getting crazy in Canada. So like, enjoy while you're there. And I'm like, yeah, thank you. <laughs> um, and, and then it turned out that there were like cases all over the world and everything started shutting down. So I started to freak out a little bit and I was with one other artist resident and, um, oh my God, I just realized I haven't been recording on my phone. Sorry. <laughs> I'll start now. <laughs> that is okay. Um, but yeah, so I, I found out that like we had to go early. So the other art resident, she actually had a grant to cover her all of her expenses. Uh, so the people who covered her grant, her grant, they got her home within like two days. So she went back. Yeah, they she had like very little notice. So she went back really early, but I didn't have anybody to cover my grant. Like I had to pay it out of pocket. And um, so I started to try to figure out my schedule and, and rearrange things. And I moved my flight up. I moved my flight up to like a week before I was supposed to leave. Um, and it was the earliest flight that I could get. It was like in a few days after the day that I booked it. So I booked it for the 20th, the 20th, the 20th. And uh, it cost me a lot of money. It cost me $700 to change my flight on top of having already paid for all the flights. So then I was like, okay, great. Um, and then I got information that the airline that I was going to be flying with was going to be closing all their flight operations from the 21st onwards. And I was like, okay, I'm okay, because it's the 20th. Like, I I'm, I'm good. I fly out the day before it closes. And regardless, they changed my flight two times, and then they canceled it completely. And I tried to get back in touch with my travel agency. Nobody was picking up. It was, like, impossible to reach them. So I was like, maybe I should just go to the airport to try to get a flight. Uh, and then I found out that the Gambian airport was closed. And like the entire airspace in Gambia. So I was like, I don't know how to get home at this point. So that's when I started to really like panic. Uh, and the border between Gambia and Senegal was still open. So I kind of made a run for it. Like I tried to flee the country and um, I got a ferry. I got a taxi to a ferry. And then off the ferry, I got another taxi to the border of Senegal where I stamped through. Then I got another taxi to a driver who took me in another car 
to, it was just like the most chaotic night uh, in another car to try to get to Dakar, which is the capital of, of Senegal. And it was a very long drive. It was like six to eight hours driving to try to get to the airport, which I didn't anticipate. I thought it was going to be like 20 minutes. Um, <laughs> and when we finally got to Dakar, it was also closed. So I was like, I'm now stuck in Africa, very far away from my home and also in a country where I don't know anybody. So I didn't know anyone in Senegal. The only people who I knew were in Gambia and I think that they had already closed the border by that time. So it wasn't like I could get back. Um, and I didn't have any money left because I had spent all of my money on getting to the airport. So I literally had no money. I couldn't access my bank account and I couldn't access my bank either. Like I tried to call them. I tried to email them. Nobody was like answering. And obviously I'm also across the world. So like I can't really get in touch very easily. So I'm out there with like nobody and no money and like nowhere to go. And the people in the taxi with me are like, so do you like have any place to stay? I'm like, nope. They're like, what are you going to do? I'm like, I don't know. And I literally was just like, at that point, I kind of resigned to the fact that I just had no way of getting back. Like I had no plan for the future. And also, you know, my brain was cycling through like worst case scenarios with my anxiety being like, I'm going to be here forever. I don't know if I'm ever going to be home. Like, what if this is the apocalypse? Like, is this going to be the end of everything? And it was a very scary moment. Um, and I was just like sitting in the back of the car and I had decided I was like, I'm going to get out and sleep outside of the airport because I have nowhere else to go. So like, what am I supposed to do? But I, I was just paralyzed, like I couldn't even move. So I was kind of just sitting in the car and they went into, uh, you may not know, but in Senegal, Dakar airport is not actually in Dakar, which is weird, but that's the way that it is. So they continued on to the, the capital. And so I just stayed in the car because I was like, oh, <laughs> I don't know where else to go. Um, and thankfully I had some like incredible people in the car who I, complete strangers, I didn't know who they were. And they were like, we're going to get you to a hotel for the night, which I was like so thankful for because I had decided that I was just going to be like sleeping on the dirt somewhere like I was homeless because I had nothing. So I couldn't even pay for like the taxi to get to the hotel. They had to pay for it for me. And they, they also paid for the night in the hotel, which I was really glad for. Um, it was a very strange hotel. <laughs> I don't know if it was actually a hotel, but it was like it looked like a nightclub for some reason from the outside, like there were like flashing rave lights and like these really sketchy looking dudes outside. And I was like, Oh no, <laughs> but I also had nowhere else to go. So I was like, I guess that this is where I'm going. Um, so I went in and, and I found like the hotel room and it was like, there were holes in the walls and there was like no sink in the bathroom <laughs> and the toilet didn't work and the shower didn't work and there were cockroaches all over everything. And I was like, ah. <laughs> um, but the good thing is I did have Wi-Fi and the outlet, even though like all the wires were exposed and sticking out, it did work. So I was able to charge my phone and like call my family back home and like be like, hey, can you please send me some money? Because that was the other thing I had called them earlier, or I had talked to them earlier on the phone through uh, one of the people in the car's hotspot. Uh, but because I was so like panicked and frantic and I was like, can you please send me money? They thought somebody had stolen my phone. So they're like, no, we're not going to send you money. <laughs> so I was like, I'm dead. I'm so screwed. Um, but 
after like I got to the hotel and I had I could call them like video call them they saw that it was actually me and they're like okay we're gonna we're gonna send you some money and make sure you get to like a safe hotel for tomorrow because I also did not know anything about the hotel and it was like really sketchy I didn't know where I was um but I was able to have some people like help me out and friends from home everybody was really supportive I will say that was like one of the the most amazing things that I didn't expect was that everyone who was like in my community reached out and was so so helpful and so comforting in that time when I was like at my wits end like I was absolutely freaking out but uh, when I like posted on social media just basically saying what the updates were because earlier on in the day I put like a little Instagram story being like I'm coming home and then <laughs> later it was literally me being like they canceled my flight I'm going to a different country I don't know where I am everybody's like Sydney what is going on with you um, but people were super, super amazing and helpful. And I had some friends who looked up a new hotel for me. So the next day I went to a different hotel. The same strangers in my car actually were amazing. They took me there as well. They helped me like get settled in. They helped me go to like get food from a supermarket. Um, so from there on out, it was like, okay. But, uh, I had to like, the hotel that I stayed in was really, really expensive. So eventually I moved on to stay with a missionary. It was a long week. <laughs> it was a long week. <laughs> Eventually, I moved on to stay with uh, a missionary who uh, it was much less expensive staying with them and their stay place was really, really nice. Um, but yeah, I was stranded in Senegal for a week after I intended to be there because I wasn't able to get any flights. I'd signed up with the embassy, but like nothing was happening. They were like, we'll contact you. And they didn't really do anything. So I was kind of just like, what is going on? And I just like more than anything wanted to be home. And it was, I feel like it was just a very funny irony because so many people were like, I can't stand being at home. I'm stuck. Like I'm so, you know, what's the word? It's stir crazy. Stir-crazy. Yeah. Cause everybody was saying, they're like, I want to get out of home. I'm like, you have no idea what I would give to be home right now. Um, but I, I got a tip from a friend who said, I heard a rumor about like a Delta airlines flight leaving from Senegal like I immediately was like, okay, thank you. I like hung up the phone and I like looked it up right away. There were five seats left and I was able to book one of the seats from Senegal to New York. And uh, I got to New York. They took me into cust. What is it called? What's the word? Holding. There's another like one. Customs, yeah. yeah. No, no, no. It wasn't customs. It was like, uh, when they like take you aside cause they think you're dangerous. Oh, like a security check that thing <laughs> yeah they were they Full were like body pat down yeah they like well no it was more like they took me into a separate room and they like interrogated me and I was like what is happening yeah because they were like what are you doing here and I was like I'm trying to go home <laughs> but uh thankfully they like let me go so that was good and, and I was able to get a flight to Toronto within a few hours which was amazing uh, and then I got to Toronto. I had, again, my amazing friends who, like, I had a whole bunch of people being like, where can we send you money? Like, how can we help? Everyone was, like, doing outreach, sending emails to the embassy, sending emails to, like, parliament and to my, I think, my M- PM, my MP. Jesus, I always get this mixed up. It's either PM or MP. <laughs> One of my, uh, like, government members uh, who was specific to, I guess, my area. Everybody was sending emails and like trying to connect and trying to get my story out there just so that people could help to get me home. And that was like 
really the moral support that I needed at that time because I was super, super stressed out. I didn't think I would make it home, at least for a few months. Um, but I got back to Toronto and then my friends actually sent an Uber for me to take me home, which was so wonderful. And I got home and I was just like having a meltdown. I was so, so relieved to be back. But um, yeah, it was chaos. <laughs> yeah, that sounds really terrifying. Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Definitely like a roller coaster of emotions in that story. How long was your um, residency supposed to be for? So it was supposed to be a month long. Uh, and I ended up staying pretty much for a month because, uh, although a week of it was spent being stranded in Senegal and not knowing anything, but yeah, it was supposed to be a month long, so it wasn't cut too, too short, but I did feel like, uh, a bit disappointed and a little bit sad that I wasn't able to stay with them as long as I wanted, but the good thing is I'm still connected with them, so I'm still going to be able to hopefully work with them again, yeah. Um, so how are you like doing now, now that you're back home, how are you adjusting? Cause it's also super <laughs> strange. Like you're, you're home, you're in the comfort of your home, but reality isn't yeah. home anymore. So how are you adjusting to that? It's very true. It's, um, it's strange. It's strange to say the least, cause it feels like everything happened so fast. And I know that that's like kind of a common theme. A lot of people are like, this all happened so fast and it's just, uh, it was weird because when I left, it felt like I was like, this is the perfect time for me to be leaving and it's, it's going to be great and I'm going to go back. And I had all these ideas and plans for, you know, how my future would look. And all of that kind of just got thrown out the window uh, with with the changes that were happening so fast. And, you know, when the hysteria set in and there was so much panic everywhere and, you know, people didn't know what to do and people were stocking up and, you know, going into full lockdown mode and, and it feels very much like I, I have come home, but I came home to a different home than what I knew. Mm -hmm. So it did feel very, uh, very disorienting. Um, and also just the, I, I think more than anything, it was the panic that I had when I was not home and feeling like I would never be able to come home that, that has kind of just left a bit of a, a bit of trauma in a way to deal with. Um, but I am, I am very grateful to be home and I'm settling in. Okay. You know, I've been in my apartment for a while now and just chilling out though. The, the, the craziness is never over with me <laughs> being that I'm actually going to be moving out of my apartment within the month. So <laughs> there's that as well. Yeah. There's, it never ends. It never ends. Was that planned ahead of time? Sort of, but not fully like sort of, uh, I don't really, I can't afford to stay in this apartment is the reality of the situation. So I'm like, I don't actually have much of a choice. Like I have to move out. <laughs> so uh, I have to move out in this time. And it's just like, I don't even know how it's going to work. If my building's going to let me move out, if, you know, moving companies are available. I don't think moving companies are even available, but I'm praying that I'll be able to move out because your girl can't afford rent. So <laughs> are there any things, um, you've been doing at home that have you've been finding are like really effective at keeping you like healthy and happy and entertained even yeah yeah you know what a, a, a very strange thing that is not like very much like me and I don't do this that often has been I've been doing like a lot of research and taking notes <laughs> and uh, I think that that comes from the fact that I'm not in school so I'm actually interested in research <laughs> because I remember when I was in university I like hated it it would never you would never catch me 
you know, learning something in my spare time. I was like, absolutely not. <laughs> but now I feel like it's been a kind of fun time for me to, I've been watching a lot of, of documentaries on, on veganism and I recently made the switch over to vegan like a, a few days ago. So yeah. And I've been planning on it for like a, like a couple weeks now. And it's been really exciting to learn about like the, the impact on the earth, on the animals, on our bodies, especially on sustainability and conservation. So that's something that I really enjoyed actually. And also I've been doing like some meditating and yoga, which has been really nice because I think it's important to calm your mind when there's just so much noise. So yeah. Well, thank you so much for hopping on the Zoom with us today. My pleasure. Thank yeah. you for having me. All right. So that was our interview with Sydney Cooney. We had such a good time talking. We ended up going way longer than we planned. We couldn't fit it all into this episode. So if you'd like to listen to our full recorded conversation, make sure you're following us and uh, we'll be releasing the bonus episode very soon. Let's discuss some resources available to Toronto and Canadian artists to bring, you know, financial relief and, and mental health resources. Um, I just want to start by saying when I was um when I was researching this well I'm not done researching all these resources but like so many funds have dried up just because of like the overwhelming yeah. need for support I was just reading that the Toronto Arts Council they like had enough money to support like 800 and something artists and they received over a thousand applicants so they had to stop accepting applicants because they just don't have the funds for it yeah, and I think a lot of these places are reaching out for donations from people who have the means, but right now, like, a lot mm -hmm. of us don't, so mm -hmm. it's very difficult. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, one thing that is still available to everybody, or, well, not everybody, is the Canadian Emergency Response Benefit. Yes, um, and if you don't know, we already discussed it. The rules have changed because I know it did exclude a lot of arts workers or independent contract workers, but you now, if you make less than a thousand a month, you qualify. And if you know it still doesn't, if you still don't qualify, they're changing, they're like reassessing and changing things every day. Um, so keep, keep your eye out for that. I feel like, yeah, keep your eye out. Uh, definitely um, look out for those changes. Uh, we, we can put a link below to somewhere where you can see where those change. Um, if you want to apply to the Canadian Emergency Response Benefit, um, you can do so online or over the phone. Online, if you already have a MyCRA account, that's the perfect way to apply. It's very simple. I was actually you surprised. Right you do. I was pleasantly yeah. surprised at how fast and efficient the system was. I've heard that over the phone is a nightmare. So if you do have access to... Um, a MyCRA account or to the internet, I would highly recommend even, I would even highly recommend like setting up your MyCRA account might take a little bit of time, but uh, definitely worth it. Um, and Sorry. I did, I did submit my taxes. I, I like to get early on my taxes because it makes me very nervous. <laughs> um, this is such a sidebar, but like as an, uh, again, I'm an independent contract worker and I have a lot of jobs. Um, and so Last year, I was so unprepared for tax season because I kind of have to do everything myself, like gather my expenses, my income. And this year, I was so organized, so on top of things and like had everything done a month early, like gave my stuff to the accountant. And then, you know, I, I owe money because my, my, what I do isn't taxed. Um, and then they extended the due date till August. 
and my accountant was like, may as well wait <laughs> to like submit your taxes so you know you can save up a little bit more if you'd like to pay it back so even though I was so prepared this year I didn't uh submit my taxes I'm waiting until August oh well I mean now you know how to do your taxes super well (laughs) yeah yeah I'm so organized honestly if anyone needs help like I know there's there aren't a lot of resources out there for artists or independent contract workers so if you if you ever are confused or need help I've learned so much within the past year maybe we should do a tax podcast yeah that's actually a good idea let us know if you'd be interested in that because I definitely could have used that um, last year doing my taxes I was overwhelmed and so confused (laughs) um the next thing I found online for financial resources was um Ontario Live they're doing this thing called music together I love this idea (laughs) so what they're doing is um musicians and I think other performers I think I saw some drag performers applying as well if you apply they'll give you um oh what was it a thousand dollars five hundred dollars something like that they give you some money and then you perform a virtual concert and you do you stream this over like Instagram or Facebook um and they like the Ontario Live like directs viewers your way and I thought this was like a wonderful idea of like keeping performances up while also financially supporting artists that is such a good idea and I didn't you know what they've been emailing me and I haven't opened emails so I actually didn't know that's what they were doing (laughs) yeah and I think you can donate is and you can watch and you can perform so there's so many different levels to participating in this um there's also if you have a project um, there's the CBC Creative Relief Fund. I won't go into too much detail, but they have a couple different um, like streams of different like categories of performances or projects, um, and they'll support you financially to get through those. Um, so that's like kind of financial support. Um, but there are places you can go to for um, mental health support as well. We'll put some of the links, I think, in the caption, in the summary. Yeah. Um, but I've heard, but I've heard to write love on her arms, um, t w l o h a dot com is a great resource to turn to for mental health help, and in a time like this, it's important that we all stick together online and support each other, all the ways we can. So I would highly recommend, you know, finding something online you can turn to if you can't, you know, turn to your usual resources. And also, if you go online, places like Artscape and CBC Arts. Uh, have compiled their own lists of financial resources and mental health resources, uh, you know, advocacy groups, places mm-hmm. where you can train online. So I would highly recommend checking those out to find mm-hmm. to find what you mm-hmm. need. And even, you know, I'm going to put this out there, like, obviously, we're not therapists, but even if you just need someone to talk to, like, I'm sure you can reach out to either of us. I've already had people. I'm quite a mother. Um, <laughs> But I've already had people message me and like who are feeling quite down right now. So if you just need to chat, I, we're also available. Yeah, please. You can reach us at our Instagrams. Um, yeah. You can also reach us at uh, our Purple Glow Meg Instagram. Yeah. Uh, you know, we really want to support the community now. It's like important more than ever. So if you ever need to reach out or if you just want to say hi and, and be like, Hey, how's it, how's it going? Bye. That's cool. <laughs> we love that. <laughs> I'm here, here for it. it. 
All right. So thank you for listening today to our very first episode. Yeah. This was fun. <laughs> it was fun. Um, we hope to, to get some more out to you soon. And yeah, if you have anything you'd like to say to us, you know, leave us a review on, I think you can do that on Apple Podcasts. Um, mm-hmm. Give us a follow on Spotify. It makes a huge difference. If you yeah. liked the podcast, share it with your friends, send it to them. Uh, yeah, and and if you have anything to say to us, like drop us a DM, send us an email. We'd love to hear what you think. We'd love to hear how you're staying busy during social isolation. Um, we'd love to hear what kind of ideas you'd like us to talk about in future podcasts. Yeah, like that taxes idea. If you're yeah, tell us what you think about taxes. <laughs> tell us what you think. Should <laughs> we pay them? <laughs> the history of toxins um i feel like now is also a good time to say if you have instagram uh and are following us if you're not follow us we will be starting a new segment or we have started a new segment every monday at five quarantini Quarantini. we go live with a new artist every monday at five to talk to them about their artwork and just life in isolation so you know grab your drinks and tune in grab your quarantinis (laughs) yeah grab your quarantinis and catch us or tune in at 5 p.m every monday while we go live great that's all from us for now you know what to do stay purple and glowing stay purple and glowing and tell us what you think about taxes Purple Glow Pod is made and produced by Olivia Schwen, Chiara Lucetta, and Purple Glow Mag. Our theme music is made by Cassius Lucetta. We'd like to thank Sadie and Marley for sharing their stories with us, and Sydney Cooney for joining us on this episode. What are we going to play during this break? Oh, it's just going to be a short, like, do 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 do. Oh.